to episode 53 of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. I know a lot of you children listening might be at home at the moment, hopefully with lots of people around you having fun. But still, you might be missing your friends as lots of schools have closed for a while. If so, this is for you. I hope you enjoy the show and remember, you can send in a question and I'll answer it for you. I've had a lot of questions, so I might not be able to reply right away, but I promise I listen to everyone and I will get there. To help all the other children around the world who are home from school, please do send the link to Everything Under the Sun to all of your friends. Ask your mum or dad or any adult to do it and send it to all the people that you know who you think would like the show. I think there'll be lots of children who would like to hear each other's voices and learn new stuff about our world right now. So help them out and send the podcast onwards. If you send it to a friend to listen, then you can chat on the phone or FaceTime about your favourite things you found out about on Everything Under the Sun. Our first question is about bumblebees. We talked a lot about bees and how they fly on last week's show when we learned about flowers and why they smell with Sir Tim Smith from the Eden Project in Cornwall. I said we'd find out more about bumblebee flight on this week's episode. So here goes. Here's a question from Poppy. Hi, Poppy. Hello, Molly. My name is Poppy. I am 10 years old and I live in Nottingham. My interests are dogs, llamas and netball. And my question is, how can bumblebees' wings support their weight? Hi, Poppy. Thanks for your brilliant question. Well, to answer it for you, here is John Mitchinson. John and I used to write questions and scripts for a TV show called QI Together for many, many years. And we also wrote a weekly column for The Telegraph for years about interesting things. John now runs a publishing company called Unbound, which you should check out, because then you can be part of creating amazing books and get to read them, which we all have lots of time right now to read books. So get involved at Unbound. Over to John. How do bumblebees fly? It may seem hard to believe, but the fat, stripy bumblebees that buzz around the flowers in your garden can ever flap their wings hard enough to fly, particularly when you see them loading up with bright yellow pollen from the flowers they're visiting. Surely that must weigh them down. Well, yes it does. And for many years, even scientists who studied how things fly were puzzled too. But now we've been able to film bumblebees in flight and slow down their wing flaps. That has helped us discover their secret. The way bees flap their wings is very clever. They don't do it up and down, but backwards and forwards, twisting their wings slightly on each stroke to create what we call lift. It's a little bit like when we are in a swimming pool. We move our arms backwards and forwards to stop ourselves sinking. Bees do the same, and because they're so much smaller than we are, the air feels like water to them. The other thing bumblebees do is flap their wings faster than most other insects in comparison to their size. They flap at an amazing 230 times per second, whereas a fruit fly, which is 80 times smaller, only flaps at 200 times per second. This gives bumblebees the power they need to carry big loads of pollen and nectar back to their nest on each trip. There's still more to learn about how these amazing creatures move around. Scientists are studying them carefully to see if one day they can build bee-sized flying robots. Thanks, John, for telling us all about bumblebees. I love that bumblebees flap their wings backwards and forwards, like the way we swim in the sea or swimming pool, and that the air feels like water to them. So next time you see a bumblebee flying, remember, it's a little bit like they're swimming through the air. I hope that answers your question, Poppy. 
Now, our next question comes from Elena, who is in Arizona. She has a question about something I had never heard of before. So when I listened to her question, I had to write to her mummy to ask what she was talking about. That's one reason I love making this podcast, finding out new things from new amazing children in different parts of the world. Over to Elena. Hi, my name is Elena and I'm seven years old and I live in Tucson, Arizona, USA. And I like basketball. And my question is, why do saguaros have arms? Thanks, Elena, for your brilliant question. Well, saguaros, which you spell S-A-G-U-A-R-O-S, are an enormous cactus. I found that out when Elena sent me her question and her mummy sent me a photo of her standing next to one. I'll post it on my Instagram, at Molly Oldfield Writes. These cool enormous cacti grow in Arizona where Elena lives, as well as Mexico, and there are some in California too. They grow really slowly, only a few centimetres in the first eight years of their lives. Much lower than you, the tiny ones grow under a big tree called a nurse tree for protection. They start to grow arms, which are their branches, when they're about 70 to 100 years old. In places where it's really dry, it can take even longer for them to grow arms. Some never grow arms, and some of them grow lots, around 25 arms. The arms reach upward to the sky. Now, why they grow arms, which is your question, is a mystery of the desert. If they were essential, then all saguaros would have them. But some do, some don't, and they all have different numbers. But the most likely reason is... The more arms they have, the more likely they are to be able to spread themselves around the desert and make more little baby saguaros. The reason for this is, is that each arm grows a big white flower on top of its arm. The flowers are about eight centimetres long, nearly as long as your school ruler, and they smell like melons. The flowers all have tasty nectar inside, which birds, like the white-winged dove, and bats, such as the lesser long-nosed bat, and insects come along to drink. When they're there drinking sweet nectar, pollen gets stuck on them. Then they fly from plant to plant drinking more nectar, spreading saguaro pollen around. Then that pollen becomes the way that saguaros spread across the desert. The flowers are only there for one night and one day. Then they're gone, so they have to do their job of getting an animal to come to collect pollen in a really quick time. For more information about how this works, you can listen to Sir Tim Schmidt on last week's episode of the podcast, talking about why flowers smell. So it seems that the more arms they have, the more flowers they have, the more animals think, yum, I want to go and drink that sweet nectar over there, and the more get covered in pollen, which helps there to be more baby saguaros. Once the flowers have done their job spreading pollen around, the fruits come. Each flower turns into a fruit which is red and juicy and has 2,000 small black seeds inside. Other animals eat those. Finches, woodpeckers, tortoises and coyotes, even humans, like to eat the fruits of saguaros. So that's it. Probably the more arms they have, the more flowers and fruit they have, the more animals come and the more baby saguaros get created. That's the most likely idea. Saguaros are very clever. They are very well designed for living in the desert. They have a thick waterproof skin so that they hang on to all the water they drink and they send one really long root called the taproot down into the earth to drink. 
Then they have lots more roots that reach out really far along the ground to drink water when it rains. Inside, the plants are like sponges you use in the bath. They can store water. As a saguaro collects more and more water, the whole plant gets big and heavy. A big one can weigh over a tonne, about the same as a small car. If you squeeze the cactus, water might come out. People who have lived alongside saguaros for hundreds of years treat them with great respect. They can be used to build roofs, furniture, and people worked out that dried out ones, which are nicknamed saguaro boots because they look like big boots, can be used to store water. I hope that answers your question, Elena, and thanks for telling us all about these cool plants that grow where you live in Arizona. And now for our third question, which comes from Archie. It's about baboons and bottoms. Over to Archie. Hey, Molly. My name is Archie. I'm seven years old and I love Lego and jumping on my trampoline. I'd like to know why baboons have bare bottoms. Hi, Archie. Thanks for your great question. Well, baboons sit on their bottoms. A lot of other monkeys like to squat. So to help them sit around a lot on their bottoms, they have bottoms covered in special pads with no hair on them. They're called ischial callosities. You spelled that I-S-C-H-I-A-L. They're like a travel cushion that baboons can sit on and be comfy wherever they go. The baboon's bare bottoms have no feeling in them, so they don't hurt when baboons sit down on spiky things like rocks or branches, and they always feel nice and cushiony when they sit down. Baboons can sleep sitting up thanks to these special squidgy travel cushions on their bottoms. I hope that answers your question, Archie. Now, last week, we had a competition to win family tickets to the Eden Project in Cornwall. All you had to do was send in your favourite flower. Here are all our entries. I'm Benjamin, and I'm five, and um, my favourite flower is the daffodil. Hi, Molly. My name's Linus, and I'm eight years old. My favourite flower is a tulip. Hi Molly, my name is Sarah. I am eight years old. I live in Ireland, Kildare, and my favourite flower is a rose. Hi Molly, my name is Tara and I'm seven years old, and my favourite flower is the peony flower. Hi Molly, my name's Liv and I'm six, and my favourite flower is a pansy. Hello Molly, my name is Zori and I am seven. My favourite flower is poppy because they're beautiful. Hello, my name is Benji. I'm from Purley. I'm six years old and I like tennis and cricket. My favourite tree is a horse chestnut tree because you can get conkers. Bye! Hello Molly, my name is Manashi and I'm nine years old. My favourite tree is a oak because they live for over 100 years. Bye, thank you. It was impossible to pick a winner because all of your flowers are amazing and beautiful and I like every single flower there is. So I just decided to pick the person who sent in their answer first and that was... 
Tara, who likes peony flowers. I love peonies too. Congratulations, Tara. You've won family tickets to the Eden Project in Cornwall, and I hope you'll have a lovely time when you make it there. Send me a photo. I hope you all have a lovely week coming up with fun things to do while you're at home. Remember to send everyone who doesn't know about it a link to the podcast and ask them to subscribe to the show. If you get time, you can leave a review and send me a question. To send a question, just ask an adult to borrow their smartphone, record yourself saying your name, your age and a bit about yourself and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. If your parents are on Instagram, get them to follow me at molly Oldfield right so we can all stay in touch. A big thank you to Poppy, Elena and Archie for this week's brilliant questions and to John Mitchinson from Unbound Books for his excellent answer about bumblebees and how they fly. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Thanks everyone. Sending lots of love for a good week ahead. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs) 